Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on Parashat Vayikra. Were you looking for a week of learning in Jerusalem this summer? Return to the Beit Midrash of Pardes in Jerusalem with your favorite faculty members. The Pardes Learning Seminar might be the right thing for you. For more information, please visit pardes.org.il forward slash seminar. And now... Here is Rabbi Alex Israel. Hello, this is Alex Israel, and I am delighted to be with you to discuss Parshat Vayikra. This week we are starting a new book of the Torah, the third book of the Torah. And I'd like, this is sometimes a challenging book. The first two Parshat Vayikra and Sao deal with Korbanot, the notion of sacrifices. And I've actually recorded a podcast on that topic in an earlier year. So this time I'd like to uh, engage in a few of Rashi's opening comments to the Parsha, where he gives us some really interesting insights, educational insights, into the way we should really think about the way we, that we live our lives. And let's uh, begin and, and take a look here. Uh, Rashi's first comment, Vayikral Moshe. Um, Rashi's commenting about the opening verse where there's a double uh, verb. It says, God called to Moshe, and God spoke to him. I don't understand if God calls him, then of course God is going to speak to him. Why does it need to use, usually it says, God spoke to Moses saying, but here we have a, a double language. And Rashi says, that before God speaks to you, he already calls you. In other words, he sort of says, are you prepared to speak to me? Are you ready? And then he says, okay, here's what I want to say. And he even Rashi continues and says, this is a special notion of love it is the notion of the way the angels talk as it says first they call out and only afterwards do they speak in other words we have this fascinating principle of preparing of the idea that maybe we might think that it's more authentic to have something spontaneous something immediate but the dual calling here um, indicates that um, we need preparation. Uh, something that we say in the Chadodi, Sof the successful action is something which needs prior thought. It needs, uh, we always need to prepare our thoughts and set our thoughts in mind. And there's no doubt that our tradition teaches the power of preparation. Uh, the month of Elul uh, precedes Rosh Hashanah with its special slichot, its special penitentiary prayers. Um, Shabbat, we we have a special law that we have to prepare for Shabbat. Um, Kavod Shabbat indicates that uh, the honor of Shabbat indicates that we prepare and we, we, we lead in. There's even a law to say that you should study the laws of a, of a festival 30 days before the festival. What is Pesach? without planning beforehand to enter the temple, 
you need all sorts of purification processes. And therefore, we're talking about a sense of, of prior planning and forethought. And the Talmud tells us that pious men, the Hasidim Rishonim, would sit and prepare for an hour before they prayed. An hour, an hour of meditation, that's a lot of time. But we can't really expect our prayer to be deep and meaningful if we just run off the street um, with a thousand things in our mind. And this is probably the idea of brachot, that uh, we, before we do a religious act, we try and prime our minds. Now, the question is whether Rashi is just doing a drush here. Rashi is, is just saying, okay, there's a double language. God called him and then he spoke. Is this really the pshat? And I, I think it really is. Because if you turn to the end of Sefer Shemot, the end of the book of Shemot that we finished last week, we read the following. I'm reading from chapter 40, verse 34. Moses just set up the Mishkan. And it says that the cloud covered the sanctuary. And the presence of God filled the sanctuary, filled the tabernacle. And Moshe couldn't go in. God's presence was so intense, like the presence on Mount Sinai, that Moses couldn't enter, couldn't enter into the domain of God, into the, into the sanctuary. Twice it says this. And then Moshe's left hanging. <laughs> Moshe's left standing outside the sanctuary waiting to go in. And then what happens? And now we open up the very next chapter, the first chapter of Vayikra. Vayikra Moshe. Moshe was invited in by Yedaber Hashem Elav. Of course, the question is, you know, what is this drama? And there's really a sense that you have to almost wait, <laughs> wait at the door, right? You have to wait and compose yourself before you go in to speak to God. So that's Rashi's first comment. And I think it's really, really sobering. We're in a very, very age where everything's very, very quick. We sometimes shoot off WhatsApps and emails without even thinking about them. Sometimes we don't read them and we regret it later. So this notion that before we communicate with God, we have to settle our mind. Uh, it's very sobering. And likewise, uh, the second comment of Rashi here. Rashi notes Moshe uh, and Rashi says um, uh, that God spoke to him uh, and called him before he spoke to him <laughs> but God didn't prepare him for the breaks. Apparently he says there are moments in which God speaks and those need preparation but then there are also breaks you know, when you look at the Torah, the Torah text, the, the, the page of a Torah, there's text and then there are breaks in the text. Sometimes it's a break in the middle of a line. Sometimes it's an open line, a petucha, a stuma. Rashi says, What was the function of these breaks? That the purpose was that to give Moshe a time to sort of think and absorb between each topic, between each parsha and each parsha, each paragraph and each paragraph, and between one topic and the next. And if that was true for Moshe, even more so that when we're studying, 
we need a little bit of space. Now, this notion of motion needing, needing some breathing room, moments of reflection, I think is really fascinating because even on a page, we sometimes need white space, <laughs> white space around the text, because otherwise it's too noisy. And I found a quote by somebody called Con Creda, who wrote a, an article in the New York Times some years ago called The Busy Trap. And he was encouraging us to uh, take a vacation where we don't like rush from place to place, from site to site, from uh, activity to activity, but actually spend some time just quietening down. He says, idleness is not just a vacation, an indulgence or a vice. It is indispensable to the brain as vitamin D is to the body. The space and quiet that idleness provides is a necessary condition for standing back from life and seeing it whole, for making unexpected connections and waiting for the wild summer lightning strikes of inspiration. It is paradoxically, uh, he means idleness, necessary to getting any work done. And uh, once again, we are in a very, you know, crazy age where our cell phones don't give us any respite. And suddenly we've got this notion that motion, not only does he need to be called and prepared, but he also needs breaks, he needs gaps, he needs moments of reflection in which he can think things over and absorb their content. So here's another educational thought as we enter Vayikra. Vayikra, which is the book which really deals with the intensity of our relationship with God, the notion of Korban, the notion of Kirva, the notion of coming close to God. And I want to finish off with a last um, comment of Rashi, uh, actually this time not on verse 1, but on verse 3. And when they start the, sorry, verse 2, and when they start the notion of the sacrifices, the Korban Ola, the phrase used is an interesting one. Adam ki akriv mikem korban Lashem. Um, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Adam, a man, ki akriv mikem korban Lashem, when he wants to offer a sacrifice to God, min ha min korban He can bring it from any animals. It could be from the uh, from the family of the of the bakar, the a cow or minatzon, or from uh, the uh, sheep. But why does it need to say, Adam ki akriv mikem korban Hashem? It could just say, speak to them. When you bring a korban, what's Adam? And what's ki akriv mikem? Some of the commentaries understand, Adam mikem, one of you, one of you Jewish people. However, Rashi comments that it's a reference to Adam Harishon, it's a reference to the first human being on earth. And in fact, this is echoed by the Rivash, the Bechor Shor, who says, we're talking about any human being. And the idea of Mikem, right, of Mikem is that it really is, it has to come from you. So every human being who Yakriv Mikem, you have to offer up something from within yourself. And what am I getting from this? I want to say that even though we're opening in Vayikra with the code of sac the sacrificial service, which happened in the sanctuary and later on in the temple, and of course we have 
Jewish traditions of how to do this. Nonetheless, what we're tapping into is something very deep, something deep which is something which relates to humanity. In the Midrash, we hear that Adam actually brought a sacrifice, but we don't hear about that in the Pshat of Torah, but we know that Adam's children, Cain and Abel, Cain and Hevel, did. They both decided as they started working the land, Cain being a farmer, Abel being a shepherd, that they should bring some of their crops, some of their produce, and bring it as a sacrifice. It created a rivalry between them, but nobody told them to sacrifice. In other words, this is almost a human impetus, that when we experience a sense of bounty, a sense of great blessing, we feel a need to pay homage to the force, the, the, the power, which gave us that incredible bounty. It's not... It almost seems surprising that, you know, you can plant something in the ground and it grows to be something nutritious and something which is able to sustain life. Likewise, the notion of having a flock of sheep where you start with a certain number of head of sheep and then they have babies and suddenly, you know, your flock is expanded and your wealth is increased. This is something which, which happens by the forces of nature. And yet, if you have a religious sensitivity, you realize that this is, you know, almost almost a miraculous act. Likewise, um, another figure who isn't, so to speak, Jewish, uh, Noah, uh, Noah, he came out the ark when he saw that he had been saved and when the whole of humanity had perished, and immediately he brings sacrifices. Of course, Avraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov all bring sacrifices and they don't do that at, at God's bidding. God didn't tell them to do it. It almost seems to be a, a natural human response. And so I'll leave you with this thought. You know, what is it? What is it in the universal sort of like understanding of, of, of that we have a need to connect with a divine force, with God, and we have a need to to contribute something. We have a need to, to give something. You know, in the Christian um, language, the uh, korban is called a sacrifice, as if I'm giving something up. But in the in the Jewish version, we call it a korban from the word lit karev, to come close. It's a medium of actually talking to God. And I, I've always found it really interesting that some, we need to give gifts. We have a need to, to give. Um, when it's somebody's birthday, it's not enough just to call them. Frequently, you know, we want to give them something. And like, let's say my my kids, it's my birthday. They want to give me a present. Now, they, they're pretty sure that I've got everything I need. <laughs> and if I if I need something, I usually go and buy it myself. So why do they give me a gift? Why do I look for a gift for my mum or dad? And the answer is because we have a need when we want to express love. We want to give something. Um. We want to express a sense that we that we care. And therefore, I would argue, Adam Mikem, we're tapping into something which is really at the foundation of the human experience. That when we feel that there is someone we want to communicate with, with somebody we want to appreciate, we frequently um, give an object. And that object is almost like a vehicle for our emotions. And that's exactly the foundation of the world of sacrifices. When the 
when the prophets criticized the Jewish people that they're bringing sacrifices with insincerity, what they're really saying is, if you are not having a good relationship with me, I don't want your gifts. <laughs> gifts are only good if the relationship is strong and that this impacts the relationship. But if there is no relationship, then why would I really want your gifts? So what we've dealt with is three different comments of the, of the commentaries, which I think really give us some interesting thoughts into how to frame the whole notion of communication with the divine. So I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Uh, this Shabbat's a special Shabbat. It is also Shabbat Zahar. Um, and I've recorded a podcast about that as well on El Mad, about the story of King Saul. So you can check that out if you'd like. Shabbat Shalom. And I look forward to learning with you again in the future. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Tune in next week as Rabbi Dr. Alicia Anselovich teaches on Parashat Tzav. Thanks for listening.